ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. G'day there, my name's Matt Brand. Welcome to the program. On today's show, you'll hear from Border Force about how it's using crocodiles to try and reduce illegal fishers from coming into Aussie waters. We know that the foreign fishing vessels are being detected closer to shore and are hiding amongst the mangroves. So we know that's definitely um, a very dangerous spot to be in. The ACCC is set to investigate supermarket prices. What does the National Farmers Federation hope this will all achieve? You'll be hearing from the NFF president very soon. And the largest shareholder in Australia's largest cattle company has pleaded guilty to insider trading. Let's talk about this on today's Country Hour. And of course, it is Australia Day, so I'm more than happy for the Country Hours playlist to be taken over by you. If there is a super Aussie song that you would love to hear on the ABC this afternoon, text it through on 0487 99157 and we'll get it on the radio. We'll plonk it on the radio this afternoon. It's up to you if there's a tune that you'd love to hear. It's got to be Aussie. Has to be Aussie. That number, 0487 1057. Let's get into it. We are broadcasting across the territory on the ABC. G'day to those tuning in via our podcast. There's plenty of great Territorians on the Australia Day honours list today. And you'll be hearing from croc expert Professor Graham Webb, AO, in just a moment. But first, let's make our way to the Gove Peninsula, where Klaus Helms, the chief executive of the Gumach Corporation, has today been awarded the Medal of the Order of Australia in the General Division for his service to the Indigenous community of the Northern Territory. Uh, Klaus, I'll uh, get to the award in a moment, but I was hoping first up, can you remind our audience about what brought you to northeast Arnhem Land in the first place many, many decades ago? Yeah, it was, was very many decades ago. Um, I think because my old man was a drilling engineer, so you know, we travelled Australia a bit and I got an opportunity to <clears throat> head up <clears throat> into Arnhem Land um, around 69, I think it was. At that time, it was for Ali Swiss, uh, and then which turned into Nabalco. And uh, I've always had an association with the indigenous clans up here, so I hung on for a long time. And you know, eventually, the mining companies changed hands many times, and I ended up sort of working through the system. I even worked for um, set up Perkins Shipping over here at one stage. So, but yeah, <clears throat> I mean that was sort of my life up until uh, today. Um, the last 14 years with the Gumach Corporation, uh, we started with not very much. And, you know, this is a team effort. This wasn't just me. Mm. But I think we've – I guess I'm very proud of the fact of this, not just the medal and the, the award, but <clears throat> where we've come with Gumach Corporation from what we started with. They've got a they've got a real future here, and I mean a future post mining as well, which is very important. And I think that was sort of, to me, 
the highlight of my career so far. Yeah, so you've been the chief executive since 2011. For, for you, what have been some of the big achievements of the Gumatch Corporation? Yeah, very much so. Um, CEO since that time, and uh, you know we've we've <clears throat> we gambled a bit, but we were had good direction from the board and a, and a very strong board, and you know <clears throat> it's a full Indigenous board and uh, and good leadership. Uh, I think that was a key to it. And how are you feeling about the community's future post Borksite? I've got high hopes. I mean, I, I think we're we're in early stages, but I think we'll be comfortable enough to say that we'll survive without it impacting too much. I think the key thing is to keep all the services running, but not, not to let go of industry and not to let go of opportunities to develop you know, those opportunities into getting off welfare and into jobs. That's the key. Do you still go out to the mine side every now and then? And, and reflect yeah, on how absolutely. much that, and reflect on how much that game's changed from. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I'm up there at least once a once a month. I drive up, and now that we've got our own, uh, <clears throat> we're also doing uh, rock quarrying now. So we've got a new crusher up there. So we're creating our own stone that we're using in our batch plants. Um, you know, it's all it's all working. Um, we still got a few hiccups, and we still got a long way to go before I'm totally comfortable. But we're on our way. And what does a medal of the Order of Australia mean to you, Klaus? Very humbling on my side. I mean, I, it was unexpected. Um, I never look for rewards like this. I never seek uh, recognition. But it's always good to get one to be recognised. Um, so, yeah, humbled. And I'm very proud to be an Australian and I'm proud to be working also with the Indigenous people. Um, how's the day shaping up on the Gove Peninsula? Uh, I'm going to head down to the Australian Day celebrations because I've been invited down. Um, <clears throat> and we'll sort of have a relaxing day. Hopefully, as I said, a bit more rain would be good. Get this humidity away. But, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, we'll see how it goes. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice a bit. I've had so many calls from my family this morning. Uh, they wake me up pretty early to let me know. <laughs> well, we'll let you go and enjoy those celebrations. Congratulations, Klaus, and thanks so much for your time on the Country Hour. Thanks, Matt. Any time, eh? Klaus Helms, OAM. He's the Chief Executive of the Gumach Corporation and today has received the Medal of the Order of Australia for his service to the Indigenous community of the Northern Territory. I'm Eddie Artoy. I was born in Pine Creek and I was born here on the 19th of September 1937 and I worked and lived here all my life and you're listening to the Country Hour. It is Australia Day and you are tuned into the Country Hour. I trust you are well. If there is an Aussie Aussie song that you'd like to hear on the radio this afternoon, make sure you send it through on that text line 0487. Double nine one zero five seven. One of the world's most renowned crocodile experts and the founder of Crocodiles Park has been recognised in today's Australia Day honours, Professor Graham Webb. He's one of four Territorians to be named an Officer of the Order of Australia for his service to environmental conservation and wildlife preservation. He had a chat to Isabella Tolhurst about how he first got involved with crocodiles. 
Well, I guess I've been working on crocodiles for a long time. You know, I came up here to the Northern Territory in 1973 when there's very, very little known about crocodiles. You know, the, even the hunting period, nobody had really studied them. And so I was involved in that pioneering research where you're really learning something new every day in a program through the University of Sydney that had plenty of resources which you need to work on crocs. So within a short time, I'd become quite expert at it because very few other people have been able to do that. And then I didn't necessarily have a, uh, you know, fascination, but the world was starting to look more closely at crocodiles. And so the sort of knowledge I had was suddenly in demand. And then I worked on saltwater crocodiles, then freshwater crocodiles, so I had two species. So it sort of just all happened. It wasn't necessarily by design or anything else, you know, it was just when you become more expert than the majority of people, people call on you. And why is the work that you do important? Well, there's a real challenge in uh, conservation, especially of predators. And it's pretty obvious that you usually try to conserve a predator because they're depleted. And the object is to increase their populations. But when you increase their population, they obviously eat more people again. And so then you've got a management problem. So the interesting part of what we've been involved with is not just the research and understanding crocs, but it's trying to work with the management so that crocs have a solid place in the Northern Territory. What happens in Canberra or Melbourne or Sydney, that's great. They can deal with magpies. You know, we've got to have people sharing the environment with crocs and the public has got to really see them as an asset. So that model has been really very successful with landowners, indigenous landowners, non-indigenous landowners, crop farms and industry and everything's sustainable and done to a high level. That is something of a model program. There are a few other programs around the world that are similar but it's used as a model in many places to say well look, look what can happen with you know, look what can happen if you unfetter the management issues from all these other agendas that people are on, you know, and, and uh, most of which come from the cities, <laughs> not rural people. You know, the problem we have today is this massive rural-urban divide where, where, you know, the world's now 60% urban. It used to be 30% in 1960. Australia's like 85% urban. So it's a real tough act to um, get city people to feel for what we've done. They just say, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> so it's been a lot of fun. It's been challenging and, and similar problems occur in a lot of other countries with, with different species. And so we've worked in a lot of different countries. We've worked all over the world, always trying to get a balance where conservation works, management works and people benefit, not, not people losing all the time, which is now what happens. That is Professor Graham Webb, the founder of Crocodilus Park, who today has been named an Officer of the Order of Australia. It is 19 to 1. This is the Country Hour. Hi, how are you going? My name is John Barry. 
uh, originally from Ireland, came out here about 15 years ago and ended up in the lovely Timber Creek. And it's good here, the locals are friendly and I'm enjoying the job. And you're listening to the Country Hour. It's Australia Day and I trust you are well. I see a note here from Steve Edgington, the member for the Barclay, who says that the Tennant Creek 2024 Australia Day NT Awards have been postponed because of heavy rain in Tennant and that the awards will be held at a date to be advised by the Barclay Regional Council. So that's a bit of a shame there in Tennant Creek, although we always love the rain. And there's been some big rain. In the 24 hours to 9am, I'll share some of them with you now. Noonamar has recorded 97 millimetres. Adelaide River West, 157 millimetres in the gauge. Haywood Creek, 112. Bachelor Airport, 117. Mount Nencar, 105. There's been 108 recorded at Annaburu Cattle Station. Tortilla Flats has had 94. Warrawee's had 66. I saw a video just a short time ago of the Adelaide River there at the township and woo, it's looking brown, it's looking very high. It's just under the bridge and just under the rail line. To our friends in Adelaide River, I hope you are well. And to our friends in Timber Creek, I hope you are well. It's been a pretty interesting week or so with the Vic River in flood. I've uh, I've got a, a note here from Potter, one of our correspondents in the Timber Creek region, he says that the river there at town has dropped about a metre as of this morning. So that's good news. It's dropped a metre as of this morning. And as for a song request of us for your Aussie songs today on Australia Day, well, for Potter, out there in Timber Creek with water views, uh, he's keen to hear bit of Jimmy Barnes, working class man. Here it is, mate. Solid, solid request there from Potter in Timber Creek. He's also been able to share the good news with us this afternoon that the Vic River is falling there at the Timber Creek Township. I saw a picture yesterday of the poor old museum there at Timber Creek. It was taken by... Baza, the curator, as he was getting airlifted out of Timber Creek this week. And you can see the floodwaters right up to the roof of that beautiful museum. That's a sad, sad uh, photo there. And, um, yeah, I know uh, we heard from Baza on the program earlier in the week and he was pretty gutted. You could hear it in his voice. And, uh, of course, they just wait for the flooding to recede and, and... see what they can perhaps salvage out of the museum but um, not good at all Um, we've got some interesting song requests coming through Uh, to the person who wants to hear a bit of John Broomhall gee we're we're trying to we're trying to find something there by John Um, another message here anything by hunters and collectors and I've also got a request for I am Australian I don't know if that's been played yet today on the ABC it is a it is a beauty we'll see what we can do Hello, uh, my name is Inamala Kumana, and I'm one of the Hidalgo Rangers from Northern Arnhem Land, and you're listening to the Country Hour. So one of the big stories this week is that the consumer watchdog, the ACCC, will conduct an inquiry into Australia's supermarket sector. 
including the pricing practices of the supermarkets and that difference that you see between the farm gate price and the checkout price. National Farmers Federation President David Yahinki, he wants a whole of supply chain investigation and some real solutions. We welcome that the ACCC has been invited to have this inquiry, noting that Jim Chalmers is the only person in Australia who can give the ACCC what they call a Section 95 authority to actually go in and get the real information that we're seeking and um, hopefully from that make some changes where it needs to make them and that's going to be along the whole supply chain. When we talk about supermarkets, yes, they're important. Yes, they are concentrated within Australia and yes, they need to be investigated. But the whole story goes beyond that and we've just got to be careful not to try to find a silver bullet solution to this big issue of how do we ensure that we've got food security at a affordable price for the rest of the next decade, if not more so. Um, and that has to be done in a strategic manner. So does the fact that the ACCC now needs to be involved suggest that the Food and Grocery Code of Conduct wasn't up to scratch? Well, we've said for a very long time that the recommendations out of the last review into the Food and Grocery Code should have been taken up by previous governments. That hasn't been the case. And one of those key recommendations is to make it a mandatory code. But that's not, once again, going to solve the price of food across the board. It just makes that negotiation between the supplier and the retailer a bit more transparent and on a longer-term contract basis, but it still doesn't even cover spot pricing contract or spot pricing sales. So there's a lot of gaps there that need to be solved. The grocery code is only one link in a very long chain. And what we want is a whole of supply chain investigation, and it has been mooted that it goes to looking at how do is there a price discrepancy to what farmers receive and what consumers pay that's the kind of conversation we want to understand we want transparency around that and we want the ability then for farmers and consumers to be able to make informed decisions about how they both spend their money or spend their time to either grow the produce or buy the produce in a informed manner do you think there's any particular sectors within agriculture that are going to benefit from this specifically Oh, there's no doubt that the fresh food market is definitely um, one of the most vulnerable production services that that will benefit from this because, quite frankly, when you've got a perishable good, you are forced into scenarios of selling to in, in a scenario where the supply and demand equation doesn't allow you to try to find a better solution. So, yes, fresh food will benefit from this investigation. However, other products like the meat industry and even um, the processing industries in general need to be investigated to make sure that we are getting the most efficient system possible for Australians. Do you think this will potentially expose some of the problems with contracts between major supermarkets and smaller scale growers, for example? Well, hopefully the terms of reference does cover those scenarios. And once again, hearing the announcements, great. We just, the devil's always in the detail. So we are hoping that it does go down to that level of um, investigation. But we are always concerned that farmers uh, haven't got the ability to negotiate against larger organisations within that supply chain that can basically either make you take it or leave it or give you a few other options to be able to get your food to market. So 
For us, yes, we want to make sure that as many aspects of, once again, the supply chain are covered and those circumstances where farmers are getting a raw deal, those can be exposed. And if it's a contractual agreement, that those contracts can be more favourable for producers. But if it's a um, if it's a quality or if it's a, a specifications issue that we can both have different avenues to sell this produce or even to the fact that consumers can have a choice between if they want to have a standard supermarket product or a, uh, or an item that's smaller or larger than that because it's still good food and can still be consumed but it may not be to a certain specification or standard. This is a 12-month inquiry. There's farmers right now who are struggling to get by. There's also people not being able to afford food in the supermarkets. So is 12 months too long? Once again, this is the, the dilemma we sit in. Everyone's wanting a silver bullet solution that they can click their fingers and will solve this overnight. Unfortunately, that's not on the agenda and that, that's not going to happen. What we've got is a long-term issue that needs a long-term strategy to solve it. Any short-term solutions will not get the long-term effect that we want. So unfortunately, I can't foresee the prices of food um, being remedied by this in within the 12 months. But it hopefully we'll start by having that conversation, making people more aware of where does your food come from? When you purchase food, who are you supporting? And then more so, what, what are you actually buying? What is the value of that produce that you're, you're purchasing? That is President of the National Farmers Federation, David Yohinki, speaking to Jane McNaughton. That will be a 12-month inquiry. What will it find? We wait and see. It's five minutes away from the one o'clock news here on the Country Hour. I'm joined in the studio by Dan Fitzgerald now. Uh, Dan, the biggest shareholder in Australia's biggest cattle company, AACO, has this week pleaded guilty to insider trading. What can you tell us? Yeah, this is an interesting story. We're talking about Joe Lewis. He's a British billionaire, Mm -hmm. spends most of his time in the Bahamas these days. As you do. Uh, uh, He's the majority shareholder in Australian agricultural company, AACO, which has, of course, a bunch of stations in the NT and in Queensland. He's also got a heap of other investments um, in a number of other businesses and ventures, including the Tottenham Hotspur Football Club in the English Premier League. And so this week he was in a US court where he pleaded guilty to insider trading. It was alleged that between 2013 and 2021, uh, he passed on information from uh, corporate boards to contacts with the fraud netting millions of dollars in profit. Uh, In one instance, it was alleged that after the 2019 floods in North Queensland, he gave information about AACO's cattle losses to pilots and he told them to sell their stock in the company before that information was made public. Um, In the court uh, in the US this week, um, Mr Lewis, he said that he knew he was doing the wrong thing. Um, It's reported that he said, I'm so embarrassed and I apologise to the court for my conduct. So he's pleaded guilty. What might happen next? Well, uh, according to the BBC, the charges that he pleaded guilty to carry a total maximum sentence of 45 years in prison, although guidelines do call for a sentence of between 18 and 24 months. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joe Lewis, he's pretty old. He's 86, um, and his attorney has asked for the sentencing process to be expedited given his age. So, um, yeah, sentencing is yet to take place. Uh, When we do know, we'll... uh... I think he's set to be sentenced in March, potentially. I think that's when it all goes back to court. Interesting.
Keep an eye on that one. Thank you very much, Dan Fitzgerald. Happy Australia Day to you. Um, Now, on the Country Hour yesterday, we got a text from Matthew out at Nooker. And for me, it was the perfect weather report, right? Because it covered all bases. He said it was raining out at Nooker, that the Wilton and Roper Rivers were on the rise, and that there were some big barra on the bite at the Roper Bar. Now, to me, that's a perfect summary. eh? What more do you need to know? (laughs) This is the sort of information we love at the Country Hour. So just before today's program, I called him up. I called up Matthew to get today's report from the Roper River. Uh, the Roper River is up about, um, oh, it was a metre over the uh, low-level crossing uh, yesterday afternoon. And a couple of the boys from Europunga were out there fishing and they had caught a couple of 80 centimetres. But there's still a lot of bull sharks in the river at the moment. And is the river going up or, or down at the moment? Uh, the Wilton's risen another two metres from last night to this morning. And I believe the rope is probably going up as well. Wow, wow. So what's it like in town there? I assume people aren't getting out and about too much. Um, No, the trucks finally made it through today to restock the shops and um, the sun's out today and a lot of the people are heading out fishing and that. So that's a pretty good day for Australia Day. (laughs) Yeah, so the food's arrived and people are out fishing. That does sound good. Yep. Uh, Have you flicked a line yourself yet? Uh, Not today, no. I'm hopefully getting out there this afternoon. Um, have you you mentioned 80 centimetres. Heard of any metres yep. getting caught at the moment? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, there's some photos from a couple of the lads at Europunga, and they had a 1.2 metre. All right. That's the stuff. Yep. yep. No, it's firing at the moment, so yeah. And any Australian Day celebrations out there? Uh, no, nah, it's pretty remote and out here and everyone's just gone fishing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounds pretty Aussie to me. Hey, uh, love the weather updates and the fishing updates from Nooker. Thanks so much for your time. No worries. Have a good one. Yeah, that's Matthew out at Nooker this afternoon with a weather slash river slash fishing report. I mean, how good? How good? Wouldn't you love to be flicking a line out at Roper Bar this afternoon? What a way to spend... Australia Day. I hope you are doing well this afternoon. G'day, this is Dan Richards from Humpty Doo Barramundi. When I can, I like to tune in to the NT Country Hour. Me too. Matt Brown with you this afternoon. In a moment, you'll be hearing from Border Force about how it's using crocodiles to try and reduce the number of illegal fishes coming into Australian waters. We know that the foreign Fishing vessels are being detected closer to shore and are hiding amongst the mangroves. So we know that's definitely um, a very dangerous spot to be in. And we'll also be hearing from some people around Hewarden in outback Queensland. The hope, the expectation was that this ex-cyclone Kiralee would deliver some big rain into the pastoral country of outback Queensland and then potentially into the Barkley and to Central Australia, it would seem at the moment it's a bit hit and miss for some of those regions around Western Queensland. Anyway, you'll hear from them very, very soon. And we're hearing from you on 0487991057. Uh, To the person who was sending us through information about what appears to be a very nasty accident 
on the Arnhem Highway this afternoon. Thank you for all of those details. We're just checking with emergency services and we've informed the ABC newsroom. So we'll get a few details and uh, we'll maybe go through that in a moment. Thank you very much for your information that you are sending through. And in regards to one of the big stories this week that the ACCC will investigate supermarket pricing, uh, Al and Humpty do. G'day, Al. He says, Matt, after 30 years of dealing with supermarkets' stupidity specifications... I'm in the fortunate position now of refusing to sell them my produce, no matter how many times they send orders. Keep it local and keep it rural, says Al in Humpty Doo this afternoon. 0487 is our text number. Let's go to the Weather Bureau now. Rebecca Patrick is there this afternoon. Beck, uh, there's been some big rain in the top end over the last 24 hours to 9am. What are some of the the biggest? Yeah, has there ever, um, particularly around Adelaide River uh, catchment, uh, Adelaide River West received 156 millimetres to 9am this morning. Um, also at Marakai Crossing, 138 millimetres there. Um, so some quite heavy falls through that area. Also around the Daly River, we've seen a, a couple over 100 millimetres, Haywood Creek with 112 um, and Mount Nanka with 104. Um, so some very, uh, very large falls through those northwestern parts of the, the top end over the last 24 hours. Yeah. How's the Adelaide River itself faring? Yeah, it did, um, did rise a fair bit. I um, was keeping a close eye on that one um, after seeing that rainfall, but looks like um, at the at Adelaide River Town, uh, looks like we're just seeing the peak now, um, just under the minor flood level. Um, so it's over 11 metres um, uh, at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And that, those waters will probably head downstream over the weekend so as they tend to do the, uh, mm. yeah towards the um the Arnhem highway and so that's just uh one to watch as well yeah and just looking at top end radars this afternoon the adelaide river catchment is getting more rain yeah that's right some um some reasonable rainfall through there at the moment um most of the rain today will be focused on those northwestern areas yep. again um Still got isolated showers and storms further south. Seen a fair bit of activity um, through central and southern parts overnight and uh, and this morning as well. Yeah, well, so Hugh River in the centre there, 47 millimetres in the gauge. And Fink River's recorded 35. Gemtree Park, 23. Mount Lloyd, 11. Ali Karangbore, 19. These are significant falls for the centre. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've seen uh, a southerly surge move through those southern districts and, and push a trough northwards um, through southern and, and it's now into into the Barclay district, that trough. Um, so as that surge is pushed forward, uh, pushed northwards, we've seen those thunderstorms develop and um, yeah, so it has been quite active through those areas. Um, Tennant Creek as well as... Um, picked up a, a bit of rainfalls um, in the last 24 hours as well. Um, got up to only a few millimetres before 9am, but um, the storms hit them after then and uh, got another 14 millimetres. Yeah. And uh, let's talk about ex-tropical cyclone Kiralee. It's heading inland. It's heading towards the Northern Territory. What might we expect from it? 
Yeah, so that um, crossed the Queensland coast last night has moved fairly quickly westwards um, and and has weakened below that cyclone strength. Uh, Still forecasting it to come towards the Territory, um, so perhaps late Sunday or more likely Monday um, coming towards the Territory where we might see some some heavier falls next week as it as it moves through so uh, looking at this stage around the Barclay area uh, still a bit uncertain um, where it will go further west whether that's going to impact the the Tanami or potentially further north over the Gregory district but um, yeah certainly a watch point and we do have that flood watch current at the moment just to make sure people are aware that there could be some impacts on on roads through those areas next week. Just judging purely from the radar, it would seem the system's moved, or I don't know, it's it's sort of around Hewarden as we go to air um, and sort of delivering rain north of Hewarden. Is there much rain in it, I guess is the question? Yeah, there could be. Um, so we could see over 100 millimetres um, daily falls Ooh. as that moves across. Um, I think it didn't drop as much rainfall over eastern parts of Queensland because it was moving so quickly, but um, yep. probably will be slowing down a little bit over the next 24 hours or so. So, um, yeah, might see a little bit more rainfall. Now, we've still got a moderate flood warning in place for the Daly River, a flood warning in place for the Victoria River, although luckily river levels are easing in that lower catchment. Heatwave warning still in place, flood watch still in place for parts of central eastern NT, and a strong wind warning in place for the Arafira Coast, Gove Peninsula Coast, and Roper Groot Coast. Out of all those warnings, anything in particular that you feel our audience should be aware of? Uh, just if you are around the Daly River, um, those uh, expected peak heights were revised upwards this morning on the, the latest warning, now expected to get to about 13.9 metres, um, so with that rainfall overnight. Uh, so just to be aware of that. Um, obviously, with all of that rain as well, just um, roads have been impacted. So, yeah. Um, yeah, make sure you keep an eye on what the conditions are. Beauty. Okay, thank you so much for your time. Beck, really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, Matt. Rebecca Patrick there at the Weather Bureau. Got a text here from Haggis. Good to hear from you, Haggis. He says, mate, happy Australia Day. Rain, rain and more rain. Lucky Molly at Haggis's place. Lucky that Molly is a water buffalo. Otherwise, we'd have to put floaties on her, <laughs> says Haggis on 0487 Now, we've received a text to the Country Hour about what appears to be a nasty car crash near the window on the wetlands on the Arnhem Highway. Uh, The texter says there are more than half a dozen police and uh, ambulance and emergency vehicles at the scene this afternoon as we go to air. And just looking at the Emergency Services Incident Map website, Well, yes, we can confirm that the NT Fire and Rescue Service is responding to a road crash on the Arnhem Highway this afternoon where we're told a person is trapped in the vehicle. Now, on that website, there's no mention of a road closure, but the report from our texter here on the ground is that the Arnhem Highway is blocked in both directions so that a helicopter can land. Uh, We're just trying to get all that confirmed up and try and learn as much as we can this afternoon 
via the emergency services and the ABC News desk. Uh, but to the person who is sending through this information, we appreciate it. And let's hope, let's hope everything's okay there on the Arnhem Highway because that does sound nasty this afternoon. And if you were planning on driving out that way, past window on the wetlands, just be aware that perhaps the road will be closed. How you going? It's uh, Brian. I'm the local tow truck driver out at Daly Waters and the fixer of broken things out here. And welcome everyone to the Country Hour. Will ex-tropical cyclone Kiralee deliver big rain to the Barkley and parts of Central Australia? We'll have to wait and see. Sounds like all will be revealed come Sunday, come Monday. Uh, There were a lot of cattle and sheep operations in outback Queensland hoping this system would deliver some seriously good rain. And at the moment, it seems it's been a little bit hit and miss. The town of Hewarden, it's been preparing for potential heavy rain and possible flooding. But this morning, the mayor of the Flinders Shire, Jane McNamara, well, she said while there had been a bit of steady rain, some areas had missed out completely. We've had over 40 millimetres overnight and mainly this morning. North of Hewarden, there's been some better falls and Unfortunately, south of Huonan, very little rain. So the graziers down there will be still looking skyward at the at the moment. Yeah, and there was talk that it could be, you know, pretty hairy, some strong winds, big rain. It, it so far doesn't look like that's going to eventuate for that sort of northwest part of the state. Are you hearing anything from people that have seen those big falls? No, no, not at the moment. I put out a, a message this morning asking people rainfalls so that I could get a better gauge on um, what may happen with the Flinders River on the um, river gauge site on the bomb um, Reedy Springs had for 99 mils so that's right at the headwaters of the Flinders so that will definitely bring um, water down but probably not until tomorrow but locally there hasn't been enough uh, rain that I've seen that is going to cause any issues. Unless they get much more rain in the headwaters, we're not too concerned, but we're ready, so it's okay. Yeah. yeah, All all our preparations are in place. And you did have quite a while to prepare. You had a decent (laughs) morning, I guess. (laughs) That's always good. I I think we were a little bit over the cyclone, just wishing (laughs) that it would come. Yeah. But it didn't start raining here until the early hours of the morning, so... Yeah, it's been quite a nice steady rain this morning, but as I said, very little wind, though it is supposed to be getting here by mid-morning, I believe. So we'll see what happens. And looking at the, the radar, it seems like Hewenden's kind of just on the edge of things now. How's it looking at yes. the moment? Oh, just grey. <laughs> grey clouds and, um, and nice gentle rain. So uh, you couldn't ask for more than that except we would like some rain in the southern part of the Shire. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt disappointing for those graziers that were hoping for some good rain that have missed out so far. Yes. Yeah, we've got some dams that haven't been filled for three years, so we were thinking, oh, good, Kira Lee might do that for us, but I don't think it's going to. That is Jane McNamara, the Mayor of the Flinders Shire, speaking to Madeline McCosker. Let's... 
head over to Timber Creek in the VRD. G'day to everyone in the creek this afternoon. I hope you are well. The Vic River is slowly receding. We heard from Potter earlier on that it's dropped about a metre today, which is really good news. It's really good news. The river, of course, is still very high at Timber Creek and is still through some of the buildings there in town. Dom Michelle is the Senior District Ranger for the Gregory National Park, and she had a chat to Liz Travaskas yesterday afternoon. She says the team have been busy looking out for crocodiles lurking around town in those floodwaters, and that they've even installed a crocodile trap on the actual Vic Highway. A couple of sightings of salties in around the ta- uh, township of Timber Creek here. So yesterday uh, we worked in conjunction with our local police as well as um, Northern Land Council um, Timber Creek Rangers to install the trap yeah. right on the Victoria Highway, which might be a first, I think. <laughs> so hang on, where has it gone? On the highway? On the highway itself, yeah, that's right, right outside the police station, which is good for us, so we're assured that it's being well monitored. <laughs> yes. Um, what's the yeah. situation on the on the Vic Highway there at the moment? The town is still cut into two. Timber Creek is divided into two, um, but though that water is now sort of receded. All right, that's um, great so news. That, it is great news, but we're obviously keeping a close eye on the weather because any local rain in our local Timber Creek catchment is going to be of concern, obviously. Have you seen the sun? Have you had some sunshine? Would you believe it, Liz? I got sunburnt yesterday a little bit installing that croc trap. Oh, no! (laughs) I wore sunscreen, but, yeah, just muggy and, yeah, we're being careful to abide by all our um, heat-related risks. Oh, gosh, there's um, so much to consider, isn't there? It is. Uh, And so the crocs that have been seen, any sense on where exactly their movements, size, what exactly are you keeping an eye out for? I don't actually have too much information on those sightings particularly, Liz, but given that all the waterways has been backing in from the Victoria River into Timber Creek and also to Watch Creek, which is in Timber Creek here. Um, and so obviously they're just looking to expand their home range, um, having a bit of a sticky beak. Um, I believe one was on the highway at our Bulleter Access turnoff and Vic River uh, sorry, Vic Highway Junction, um, and also one somewhere out near the police station, I believe, was the rumour. Um, but I haven't seen any salties. But this process is purely about monitoring. Um, so, yeah, that, that crop trap has been installed pretty much just to make, make sure there's no salties coming in if, and just get a good sense of, of what's out there. That is Senior Ranger Dom Michelle out at Timber Creek. I love it that there's a crocodile trap sitting on Highway 1. That's territory. That is territory stuff in the wet season. Now, on the topic of crocodiles, in the latest attempt to stop illegal fishers from coming into Australia's northern waters, Border Force has put out material reminding fishers of the dangers posed by our saltwater crocodiles. And this follows media reports from Indonesia that two men were killed off the Kimberley coast and another three injured by a crocodile in December. And there were reportedly two other croc attacks on Indo fishos in September and October. Border Forced has now used this threat of crocodiles 
as part of its latest warnings about illegal fishing. Assistant Commissioner Chris Walters had a chat to Vanessa Mills. We know that the foreign fishing vessels are being detected closer to shore and are hiding amongst the mangroves. So we know that's definitely um, a very dangerous spot to be in. Have you or your team had any official reports of attacks on Indonesian fishermen by crocodiles? We're aware of open source media reporting from the Indonesian news outlets that have identified Indonesian fishers who have been attacked by crocodiles in Australian waters, yeah. I guess it's a a handy additional hazard for the ABF to tap into to try and make fishermen aware of the dangers they could be facing. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, you know, folk from Indonesia might not uh, have experienced, you know, our, our northern crocodiles... Uh, and probably might be a bit unaware, so as to try and yeah, increase awareness in relation to, the, to that additional danger, yes. Now, Assistant Commissioner, since Operation Leedstrom began in December, how many fishers have been captured in total? Sure. So we've had 79 illegal foreign fisher detained since the beginning of the operation, uh, and we've had 10 uh, foreign fishing vessels that have been seized and disposed of. Um, In relation to the illegal catch, uh, we've had over 1,600 kilograms of uh, trepang or sea cucumber, uh, 340 kilograms of other fish, including uh, shark and shark fin, and over 5,000 kilograms of salt, which is used to preserve the catch while conducting further illegal fishing and subsequent uh, transport back to Indonesia. Does the amount of fishermen and the number of vessels surprise you at all, given that this is just from a December operation? I think the, the reason why we um, stood up Operation Leedstrom was that we had seen at the end of last year an unprecedented number of foreign fishing vessels sightings in the Kimberley Marine Park, and, and those sightings were a mixture of, of Um, sightings that we found through our surveillance activity, but also calls from the public. Um, So we knew that it was an unprecedented sort of surge of those foreign vessels into the uh, the Kimberley Marine Park. And for the 79 who've been detained, what happened to them? Where are they now? So they're they're in detention and our AFMA uh, colleagues, our fishing colleagues are currently uh, determining and investigating individual and whether there are any offences. So any apprehended individuals who are known repeat offenders will be prosecuted by AFMA. I guess the other thing is that, you know, a call out to our Australian Defence Force and our um, Australian Fishing Management Agency colleagues in relation to this joint effort we're doing for Leedstrom, but also the Indonesian government, whom we work very closely uh, in relation to maritime security, uh, and we're working very closely on this issue with them as well. That is Border Force Assistant Commissioner Chris Waters, who's also the acting commander of this Operation Leedstrom, which has started in December. And as he mentioned, so far they've netted 1,600 kilos of tree pang, 340 shark fin and shark, 5,000 kilos of salt and 79 crew in detention. Ten vessels have been scuttled. You are tuned into the Country Hour. It is Australia Day. I'll leave you with this one. We are one, but we are
That is it for today's Country Hour. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Be safe. And, of course, keep it rural.